Welcome to Eye on the Ball. This is Garrett Rands. I'm here with Pastor Tim Everett, a baby boomer, gray-haired, um, tall, used to be extremely slim, <laughs> no longer no longer as slim as he probably once was. Baby boomer. So, you know, I, 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 obviously my, my dad falls in an older category of baby boomers than you are. Mm-hmm. You're on the younger end of it. But, um, you know – I want to hear some per, some of your perspective about the baby boomer generation uh, through the course of this. Good morning, Garrett. Yeah, glad to talk about my generation. Again, I'm near the end. Um, um, kind of 64, some say 1960 to 64 is the end of the baby boomers. We can get to that here in just a moment. But uh, let, me add, let me start with a question. What are some days that you think changed America? I want to relate this to baby boomers and the, the key day that um, that changed life and made us who we are, I think. But what, uh, what are some our, days that come to mind? That, our country, for sure, July 4th, 1776, sure. um, yeah, our independence. Yeah. Um, in, in my lifetime, September 11th, uh, 2001, for sure. You remember um, where you were when you I, I do. Yeah. I do. I was at a barber shop in Shreveport getting my hair cut. I had hair then, Tim. <laughs> if you can believe that, I was getting I was getting a haircut and uh, the barbers um, were of at least two generations older than I was cuz they were mm-hmm. they were honestly like at the edge of retirement, uh, you yeah. know, at the time that they were cutting my hair and and uh, you know, they made the comment they had never seen anything like this in in their lifetime, you know. So it obviously made a big impact on them having been through World War II and you know other things, um, and Vietnam, and and mm-hmm. they just they were just in awe of what we were watching. Um, so absolutely, I, you know, December seventh, forty one, uh, for sure. sure. Yeah, Pearl Harbor, um, D Day. I'm trying to remember when D Day was. D Day, June. It was supposed to be the fifth, so it was the sixth. June six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, those, yeah, those are the dates that stick out to me. You I know, mean, some wondered, you know, January 6, 2021, some are trying to make the day of the storming of the Capitol as a, as a key date. Yeah, I don't, I don't see we'll that. See. Yeah, and, uh, I think that was... Well, here, here's the one I want to propose to you. A very important day that changed my generation's life. I think the, the life of the trajectory of our country, November the 22nd, 1963. Okay. okay. You know what that I is? was born on the 22nd of November, but I was not born in 63. <laughs> not in 63, okay. I was three. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what that is because it's my birthday. So, yeah, that was the assassination of Kennedy. Right, assassination of Kennedy. All right, um, let me talk about what life in America was like November the 22nd, 1963, and um, how that date forever changed who we are. Um, of course, Walter Cronkite was the de facto uh, commentator on the news. Uh, he'd always end with, that's the way it is, uh, back before fake media. You know, people had such trust in Yeah, he and, was, uh, he was real news. He was, yeah, real news. Um, Charles Murray, um, in Coming Apart, was walk, writing about this. Walter um, uh, Huntley and Brent Brinkley were actually above in the ratings of Cronkite at that time. Uh, that was the, the day that Robert Shroud, the Birdman of Alcatraz, died. Uh, the Dow dropped four points that day. Nothing big there. Um, top show. I don't think I would have gotten this. You, I know you weren't alive, but the nineteen sixty, the top show on TV, November twenty first, nineteen sixty three. 
uh, still runs occasion. I think it still runs in syndication. I, I don't. I have no idea. Beverly Hillbillies. Wow, I didn't see <laughs> I that one said coming. Andy Griffith. But, I didn't. Um, I didn't yeah. know that show was ever number one. Um, <laughs> right. I watched it. I'm not Why? saying it was yeah. terrible, but I, I have tried to watch yeah. it as an adult, and it was. Terrible. It hasn't held up like Andy no. Griffith has. No. Uh, top shows: The Flintstones, Donna Reed, Perry Mason, Perry Como. The white illegitimacy rate in 63 was 3%. Wow. Um, only 3% of homes in America were headed by a divorce, a divorcee. Wow, that's incredible. 3%. Uh, 80% of the women were stay-at-home wives and moms. All right, this is amazing here. 98% of the men in their 30s and 40s in 1963 were employed. Wow. 98%. What are we at now? Do you have any gosh, idea? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I keep it, hearing like one in three or, or worse, so yeah. 30, 35% or less, right. something. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, the production code of motion pictures, association movies, allowed an occasional mild cuss word. Lord's name was never taken in vain. No nudity or near nudity. Uh, no plot glorify, glorifying adultery, homosexuality, abortion. The uh, the Gallup poll of 1963 said 50% polled had been in church in the last seven days in America. Half. Yeah, half wow. uh, would say they had been to church in the last week. Um, only 1% put down no religious affiliation on the the, uh, the poll. So everybody was born everybody, into something. Yeah, Wh- whether they, they, were, they believed, you know. yeah, or claimed to. Uh, crime rate was very low, small prison population, uh, drug abuse. There wasn't even any drug surveys back then. They started in the seventies. So, um, you know, very low. Now people drank like a fish, you know, smoked like a chimney, uh, racial segregation, yeah, Jim were, Crow, we still you know, days, terrible right? racial laws. Yeah. yeah. Pollution was dreadful, uh, in urban areas. Um, the nuclear threat of Russia, the Cold War, was at its height. So it wasn't, yeah, Bay of Pigs was yeah, prior to that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so my, I want to advocate that that day, November 22nd, 1963, changed America. That's really the beginning of the 60s. You know, I think the 60s began, you know, with the assassination of, in, in regards to the social concept that you have when you think 60s. Um, the civil rights movement was getting started. The hippie culture began. Sexual revolution. Uh, baby boomers. Uh, the name was invented for them. Teenager. You know, someone in their their teens. They called the baby boomers uh, teenagers. Uh, Roe versus Wade would happen in '73. So, so really, I think that that was the day that changed America for my generation. Was was the assassination of Kennedy? Right. Yeah, are, uh, do you, are you attributing that to anything specific about Kennedy? Uh, that that he had some policies that you know, we were hoping to have implemented that would have bettered or, or furthered along our society. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I know he was, I know he was very much involved with, uh, you know, helping with the racial mm-hmm. right. uh, issues. I, th- I think probably more personality than policies. I think he was just uh, liked by, by people of all ages. And he, uh, you know, he was a, a GI generation. He was a, a veteran of world war two, but he related so well. He was the first TV president. He did so well, you know, on television. And, and I think the, the expectations were so high as they were for our country. It was just a, a golden age. And, and not so that his he was death a... created something of a, 
of a, a loss of innocence, you know, for our generation, not a reality he, check. Not that he was innocent. I mean, he was, no, no, you know, right. I mean, he was a habitual adulterer. Yeah, but know. who knew? Because, you know, it was uh, guarded. I mean, right. you know, it was not um, announced on television and, you know, private lives were kept private. So uh, just the image of the Kennedys um, was kind of like the royal family of America. Right. And um, so, so yeah, it was just a, a real coming of age. Uh, uh, the music would quickly change after that, you know, with uh, – uh, yeah, Beatles, I'm not a big fan. And, uh, I'm not a big fan of the '70s music. The, the music in the '60s was, in, in my opinion, much better. Not that there weren't some good things come out of the '70s. '70s were um, all over the place. Yeah, they, they were crazy. Mean, yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, l- describe. Do you have kind of uh, some some definitions of the generations? I mean, you've already kind of told us about the baby boomer generation when it starts, when it ended. Uh, but what about us as a whole? I'm a Generation X. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, we're 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 all familiar with the the millennial generation because we're so hard on them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whether that's good or bad, I mean, we've all got our faults, right? But um, well, so- the contribution of the, the baby boomer generation is naming the generations. I mean, we had a tendency to uh, to name everything and categorize all, and um, and so I didn't know yeah. that. So you're responsible for so naming we're kind of responsible the millennials. For the name. Yeah, okay. right. And, um, so here's um, here's six living generations that we have with us today. I think that's right. Six, one, two, three, four. So uh, the GI generation, those who came of age with the Depression, uh, World War II, uh, these two events helped define their youth. Uh, they were born between 1900 and 1927 to be my parents' generation, uh, the GI generation. Okay. Tom my, Brokaw my called it the greatest you know, generation. Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother's still alive. She's 92, I believe. Um, yeah. And, and so there's, there's still a remnant of those. Right. You have to be 95 or so now to be a, to be considered veteran. Yeah. Of World War II. Dad was, um, en route to Germany in 45 as an 18 year old when Hitler surrendered. So he was always at the kind of the bottom age of of World War II vets, and okay. um, he was born in 27, I think, 20, oh, 26, August of 26. So, you know, that's the, the GI generation. Um, the next generation has been called the Truman generation or the silent. I think that's the word that stuck, the silent generation. And now we're, and are we defining a generation as 18 to 20 years? Yeah, that, right, kind of okay. like that. This would be those born 28 to 45. Okay. So uh, now they'd be in their 80s and 90s. Only generation to never elect a president. It's kind of interesting. Okay, how does that work? Just uh, you know, we went from baby boomers with um, you know Kennedy and and Johnson and Nixon and Ford and Carter and the elder Bush, you know, to Bill Clinton. You know, he was he was a baby boomer. Oh, so, so, so there, there was there, never a president. There was never a president that born okay. in that era. So I'm with you. Uh, McCain would have been the only. You know, I guess was the closest. You know that generation to be elect. So, it, it, you know, one reason it's called the, the silent generation is they've been overshadowed by the GI generation that came before them, and then the the baby boomers that came after them. You so, just outnumbered them. Yeah, you know, yeah, outnumbered, and um, and you know they're the sandwich generation. Uh, uh, they greatly admired the GI the GI generation, and they helped make the legacy of the GI generation. Very much respectful of their elders and, and just kind of had an awesome view of the generation that came before them. Uh, were pretty derisive toward the baby boomers that came behind them. Felt like, you know, that we uh, took their place in society. So, you know, that's why I guess they're called the, the silent uh, generation. 
And then uh, baby boomers were born um, after World War II, 46 to 64. So that, that large number of babies, post-war babies, uh, that, that boom in population. Um, and which I don't know if you know this from an economic standpoint, but you know every great expansion, truly great expansion, is because of population expansion. So yeah. when, we, when we're looking at the data... Mm-hmm. Uh, across the world, not, not, we can't just look at America because America's not old enough to get a, mm-hmm. a a good sample. So if we look across the world, we look at the baby booms. Uh, the the boom, the economic boom mm-hmm. that happened in Japan was a result of the baby boom generation in Japan. Yeah, our our expansion here a, a result of the baby boomer generation here, and that's one of the things that you, you know is a side effect that is not often considered of abortion. You know, the fact that we're aborting, you know, workers from from generations uh, and that and, and not just workers, but, you, you know, it, it doesn't because that's just on mm-hmm. the child themselves. But when you have children, you have more needs. I can attest to this right now, mm-hmm. you know, having a, a four month old, five month old and a three year old at home. You got to buy stuff because they're outgrowing things all the time. You're having to buy new things. You're having to buy new foods, uh, a food that they liked yesterday. They hate today. You know, so you're you're a constant consumer, whether you want to be or not, and so that creates a boom in our in our mm-hmm. economy, mm-hmm. just the presence of children. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something that a lot of people. Over, I know that's a side note. Sorry, no, I didn't well, mean to no, get on the tangent. Well, that's, but, that's a good segue into the next generation. Uh, originally called baby busters, you know, baby boomers to baby busters. Uh, that would be the generation born. Your generation, sixty-five to eighty. What's your birth year? Yeah, seventy-six. Seventy-six. So. Um, Generation X is kind of what stuck, you know, with your generation. But uh, the idea of the the boom bust, I mean, you're, you're right. Roe versus Wade, there were, you know, there's been 60, what, a mil- 60 million right. babies aborted. Uh, your generation has been hollowed out, you know, by abortion. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons uh, this is another for another day. But immigration is such a huge issue today Absolutely. because we're trying to replace uh, the, we need the immigrants. Yeah, need the, we just the need them here legally. Right, where leg, they can right. be documented and pay taxes and be a citizen of our country as opposed to somebody who's working in the underground. Can you think of any different names for your generation? You know, the latch, the latch key children. Yeah, that was something kinda, that was kind of going know, on. Yeah, moms were working, you know, so you came home and had to let yourself in after school. And it, it kind of it's sort of a defining, in my opinion, and, and probably it was because of where I was at in, in, in terms of a cultural standpoint. In my teenage years, uh, the grunge, right? The grunge right. came, came, kind of came onto the scene with the rock and roll, mm-hmm. which was kind very, of a reaction. It too, was right? very yeah. much, yeah, rebellious. Yeah. Not that the generations before weren't rebellious in their own ways, but it, there was a, you know, a specific kind of, you know, I'm not gonna do my hair, you know, I'm gonna let it grow, and I mean, almost back, almost a throwback to the hippie days, right? Yeah, and how do you outdo that? You know, our generation right. just defines so many social things. It's been hard to or for ensuing generations to live up to them. Uh, the Z, the, or the wide generation, the Y generation, I guess, um, millennials. Yeah. Millennials, uh, 81 to 96. So millennials now are in their twenties and thirties. And then the, um, the Z generation, um, after 97, some are saying that your kids, babies now are the beginning of the alpha, kind of the reset generation. So if you're the generation that named all of these generations, 
why are you restarting us over uh, back at Alpha? I don't yeah, get that. Yeah, where do you go from yeah. Z? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, right. it, well, it, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, if we're at the end of Generation Z, you know, maybe the, our time is up, you know. Um, I, I, but we're still I going. I think about that. I so, do. I think about that. I really do. It, it is, is definitely uh, kind of an irony. All right, so if we look at these generations that you've defined, um, where do you think that baby boomers stand in terms of, uh, you know, are they the worst? Are they the best? Please don't tell me the best because I, yeah, I have a hard time <laughs> believing that. You know, I'm, I'm on the worst end. I, mean, I never has a generation had it teed up so well for them as the baby boomers in America. Of course, things were, were bad in other parts of the world. Uh, you know, those that lost World War II. I mean, what a, a devastating end of the 20th century, you know, in, in Russia and um, the results of the the communist revolution in China. So, you know, things were bleak all over, but we had such a golden age in the 50s and the 60s in our country. And and um, I just think that we've had such privilege and such opportunity that we've squandered. Okay, so, so you blew it. We blew it, yeah. All right, so how did it. you blow it? Okay, well, let me, I want to read uh, Psalms 22, verse 30, uh, is one of the many verses that has to do with... Uh, generations it says posterity shall serve him posterity be those that come behind us our offspring of course we think the word prosperity you know that fits into that it shall be told of the lord to the coming generation they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it now this is at the end of psalms 22 we're just talking about god of history and all that god was doing and how important it is to to share that story with the next generation and, and again, my, my generation dropped the ball, and I'm very disappointed, and I think that, that our world is suffering from the unfulfilled expectations of, uh, of my generation. I, uh, I can't think of a, of a generation that had it any better and had more opportunities, and I now we're at the a point of being able to look back and just see this. So uh, I have, um, I have three, three elves that I want to give our generation, and I'm going to add a fourth one and kind of surprise you with it at the end and let you speak on this because this in your wheelhouse. But um, uh, the first F where we drop the ball is, is on faith. Um, again, you know, our generation, um, we can look back and see how, how God conquered, you know, communism and fascism and, and um, totalitarianism and how God blessed America. And so our our generation came of age when denominations were strong. The church was strong here in America. We had mission organizations that were set up to be able to, to carry the gospel to the world, and to some extent we did that. Um, we had a, a Jesus revolution at the end of the 60s, uh, Expo 72 in Dallas when Billy Graham preached to a million hippies that had found Christ, and, and there yeah, was an opportunity had, for the church. You had Jesus songs and mainstream music at that time. Yeah, right, right. I, mean, right. You know. I know. And uh, so, you know, I just think that, that we really dropped the ball on faith, and um, I think that we sacrificed faith for technology. I think technology became my generation's 
new god, you know, with a capital, I mean, with a, a small g, you know, and then, the, the and god then, of technology. And then y'all, y'all wrote the Terminator movies and, and explained ex- exactly how bad this was going to get. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Well, uh, and you go back to Frankenstein. Yeah, we've created our own Frankenstein. We've created uh, the means of, uh, of destroying ourselves. Of course, prior to us was the, the atom bomb and the, you right. know, that, that demonstrates the, the, the side of technology that can destroy. But, uh, but you know, from technology has come this concept that we're, we're chasing and following science and not faith. You know, my generation, I think, um, redefined life in regards to science and not faith, but it's, it's a pop science. It's not a, a science rooted in, in real truth. So you're the Thomas generation, the Thomas generation, doubting, yeah, the doubting, doubting Thomas. Right, the doubting Thomas. You got to see and, it, uh, right? And also, um, you might say that we're we're rebuilding the Tower of Babel, uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, where that newfound technology of brick laying, you know, that enabled them to build a a bigger, a taller tower, you know, something that they built unto themselves. Our our generation has squandered our legacy by. Um, just making everything about us, you know, not about preparing that next generation, but we're a very self-centered, uh, self-focused generation. So and all these that... names like teenagers and baby boomers, all an expression of how self-focused we've been. We've been. Uh, it was a movement from the we from think. From theism to anthropomorphism. Okay, and, 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 you know, anthropomorphism. Or another, you know, another way that I stated, just from a sim- simplistic standpoint, the you the previous generation was a we think. And the, the the baby boomer generation was, was a me think. Oh, absolutely you know? right. So from we yeah. we to me, right? The individuality of it. Um, our our heroes are technocrats. The the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. You know the um, you know they were baby boomers. Um, and they're, I don't think they're heroes just to your generation though. I mean I think that's probably you could say the same for the X generation. Honestly. Oh yeah. I mean these are the people that whose names are in most conversations. Yeah, our posterity has not been one of faith. It's been one of technology. So, you know, that's you're right. That's the the heroes. And it's really kind of created an anti-hero, uh, the idea that um, that we sacrifice traditions for what's contemporary and, and what's modern. And, and the key word here for my generation is what's cool. Yeah. You know, everything was evaluated as to whether... It's cool or not. That's another word, you know, that we uh, created. Well, Thankfully, my, my generation still stick, uses you know? that. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't yeah, know well, about the millennials, but uh, yeah, I well, still use that. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's the first elf is I think we've squandered faith and what a big failure, you know, that's been for our generation. And when we look at those stats of pre-63, like the – um, the morals of our nation, all of that was based on faith. It was faith-based. And so when we lost our faith, uh, when we went from being theists to humanists and took the focus off of God and put it upon ourselves and we began to live for ourselves, uh, you know, the sexual revolution. You know, we mentioned one time before the three Ps of the sexual revolution, the pill and penicillin and Playboy that um, created an, an opportunity for... Um, us to have freedom in regards to our choices concerning sexual mores. Of course, that led to uh, Roe versus Wade you right. know, in 63. So that brings me to my, my second elf. 
and that's family. Uh, my generation has has squandered uh, the institution of family. Uh, we've sacrificed family for individuality, which is what you you mentioned earlier. And uh, you know, I just think about all these different identities that we've given ourselves. Um, again, we like to to name what we're doing, and we act like we're the ones who uh, who've created everything that in society that we've had for years. But, uh, but anyway, I think about, um, you know, the hippie. You first think about the 60s, you think about the hippies. And then in the 1980s, our generation became, remember what it's called? Yuppies. Yeah, that's right. That? Yeah. Yeah. From young, hippies to urban young professionals. urban professionals. Yeah. And it's interesting that even though we, we went from supposedly um, being non-materialistic as hippies, uh, we adopted greed, but we continued to see ourselves as cool, and we continued to look back with fondness over the '60s. You and put the, a suit on with your ponytail. Yeah, amen. Right, that's right. The uh, uh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Yuppies. All right, and then um, in our senior adult years, we became many of us dinkers. D i n k e r s. Double income, no kids. Double income, no kids. E r. Early retirement. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's all about self. It's all about uh, using the the blessings that have been given our generation, you know, self-centeredly. And then there's a new word here, another word we've created called intersectionality. And uh, that's all these hyphens that we use to identify someone in the identity politics of today. So like African-American or lesbian African-American or, or Cuban-European-American, all these, you know, intersection out, the idea that uh, we've, whoever has the most hyphens, <laughs> you know, wins in regards to individuality and, and all these different breakdowns. You know, it's all about um, identity politics today and that goes way beyond Democrats which is, and Republicans. Which is me-centered, not we. Me-centered, right. Yeah, back to the me versus we don't, me. We don't want to be part of a group. We do, but only as we choose and exactly as we choose. So that's why we, we've added the hyphens, have, have emphasized everything back to the me. Right, right. And, um, and I think if there's something that my generation is most proud of, which really— this, this was fixed by the GI generation, but we take credit for the civil rights movement of the 60s. Um, you know, it wasn't the politicians who who put it into place, but right. it was we who were protesting in the streets. And so racial identity is is huge with my generation. And it's interesting that that my mom and dad, you know, as GI generation, dad who pastored churches in the Deep South in the 1960s, he was a a pastor of white congregations that supported the civil rights movement. And he, he was on the right side of that. And I'm, I'm very proud of him for that. But, but I would think that that achievement is what his grandchildren are most proud of. You know, dad achieved a whole lot in his life, but it's not overcoming the depression or overcoming Hitler or, you know, with the GI generation. Um, uh, they like to look to the fact that he was on the right side of, of racial politics, and that's good, but that's almost become supreme, and all these later generations want to talk about is, is, is racial identity. Yeah, everything's and, become about and, race. Right, and even sexual politics has become racial as 
as uh, the LGBT hitched itself to the civil rights movement. It shifted it from about uh, racial to sexual, you know, politics. So, you know, it's it's all about identity, this the self-centeredness of my generation. Uh, again, it, it led to Roe versus Wade. And then I think the um, final nail in the coffin, so to speak, was Obergefell, where we redefined marriage, you know, where now, you know, marriage is which would have been unthinkable back in the 60s, you know, where, you know, homosexuals can marry. You know, men can marry men and whatnot. So we see that journey of, um, of sacrificing family for individuality. And at the heart of all that ails us in our country today is a lack of faith, you know, in Christian, Judeo-Christian values. And then the first result of that was a breakdown of the family. And, and you know, think about it this way. is. And that's across it, all races. Yeah, across I mean, all right, it, right, right. Children yeah. do better in a home with a mother and a father. Your men are going to, you know, your young men are going to want to be like their dads. Your young women are going to be want to be like their moms. And there's an example there for either sex of a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and No you, one yeah, can lead like a father and no one can love like a mother. And uh, when that's lacking in a home, there's no amount of money that you can pour into a social program to fix it. You know, if... if there's not someone to help Junior come home to a stable environment after school who makes him get up his homework, you know, who gives him supper, uh, makes him go to bed, you know, on time, and then get up, you know, and gets him to school. If there's not somebody on that end, then there's no amount of money that we can pour into public education to fix what the problem is. Yeah, you can't fix at school what's a problem at home. Yeah, you can't. because it's down, you know, schools are downstream from culture, and upstream, you know, from schools or families. So uh, that's that's the legacy of my generation. It's such a sad. I mean, I can't think of, you know, a loss of faith, you know, loss of family. Uh, what can offset that? What good can we do? What can what technology can we create, you know, to offset our losses in, in faith and family? Robotic then, fathers. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. you know, that's not. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I know. It's a I terrible know. thought. So then my, my third F that I'm giving my generation is an F for freedom, where we've substituted a, a false sense of security for freedom. Um, when we lost our faith, we're no longer living our penultimate life, believing that there's a temporal life here and a, an eternal life to come, and we're working for eternity. You know, now it's all about this life. Uh, right. One of our, our yeah. What's the new slogan now? It's uh, these letters. You only live once. Yeah. Uh, Yolo. That and then there's another yeah. one too, and I can't think of it. Yeah, you got to um, go for all the. Remember the beer commercial? You only live once in life, so you got to go for all the gusto you can. Yeah, and like I, and, and I just love seeing the the no regrets, and I'm thinking, what what kind of genius came up with the idea that you don't regret anything in life? That's terrible. Yeah. To have the thought that uh, every, everything is beneficial. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're on your deathbed because of an addiction problem, and you think that uh, that was beneficial to your life, you know, I, I, that's terrible. It's a terrible thought to have mm-hmm. to have that. Okay, so so yeah, the third F is freedom. When did um, when did this occur? When did because it seems like we're losing lots of freedoms now. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and supposedly we were protesting in the streets in the '60s for freedom, but it was about freedom to live your life your way. 
you know, it was uh, about freedom of the individual again. Back what we've been talking about, but um, but there was some, and, and, there was and, also some group freedom though too. Because I mean, when we talk about the racial things, we're talking about yeah, groups of people. Uh-huh, yeah. So there was some there was some good there. Yeah, when, when sure. you know, in terms of that kind of freedom, uh huh, right. But there was still too much of a focus on the individual. I guess is what you're saying. Yeah, my generation as senior adults likes to brag that we were the last free generation as kids. That you know, growing up in the '60s was a life without. Um, you know, bicycle helmets and seat belts and well, we and I didn't I didn't wear any of that drinking stuff. from a hose and you know all these kinds of things that we look back on with fondness. But you know, it was my generation that changed all of that. Uh, my generation that you know. Decided so you're saying that yeah, this, the parents of the X generation, yeah, that, that changed right? right. But I mean, most of us Xers, we we didn't wear helmets. You know, there were a few. There were always a few. You know, um, but well, but, I but mean, really, you know, you kind of parent two generations down. So really yeah. you think of baby boomer, boomers parenting millennials. And, um, and so, you know, baby boomers were the attorneys and the politicians that, that made all these restrictions protecting us from ourselves, so to speak. Now I that we're you. living for ourselves, we got to protect ourselves. Cause there's probably a law that you're supposed to put a Helmet on a kid, right? right? A law for everything. A law's I'm, fixed yeah. everything. So, yeah, okay. you know, our league, you know, you. Jesus said that, um, well, you know, the, the truth will set you free. Um, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Paul said that the spirit of the law gives life. Uh, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So, you know, it's the idea here that we pass laws to try to fix everything. And then we have a legal system that's looking, you know, when whenever... Um, so we have all these restrictions that have come. We have a, a false sense of security that uh, when you know there's a tornado, we can uh, that causes damage. It's because our technology has been insufficient. Um, you know our roads. Yeah, we just had this big ice storm blackout in Texas yeah. because all the windmills failed. Yeah, and they used oil to get them back going. It, it, yeah. yeah. So that, okay. that's the, the arrogance that we can can overcome nature with our technology. That we can overcome you know, the, the fallen nature of, 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 you know, that's come from our sin, you know, with technology. Well, and this is why we have so many laws, right? We, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of laws that we have just in the tax code. You know, I I mean, I'm sure somewhere there's a CPA or other tax expert that knows it all and, and can truly memorize it all and retain it all. But it also changes every year. And what I'm in all of is how do you expect any, any really even any group of people to know the extent of the law just in taxes, just in income taxes? This doesn't even count sales tax and other taxes that are levied on, on us, but just an in income tax. That's a lot of laws. And that's not just in the Internal Revenue Code. We're also talking about that being across all of life, just, you know, all of the laws that it takes to drive, sure, we can we can memorize those. We can kind of have those in. But all of the laws when it comes to land and mineral rights and air rights and all you know and shallow rights and deep rights and all of this stuff. We've got so many laws that it's it's become crazy. And look so to quote a movie going way back, um, I think the name of the movie was First Night. Um and I'm sure this was borrowed from somewhere else. Most good things are, but you know, the, the, the quote there was, there are laws that enslave men and there are laws that set men free. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, 
pretty convinced that right now we're in the process of being enslaved with every new law that's added, as opposed to being more free. Right. Yeah. And and look at COVID. COVID's the the perfect example of that. How the restrictions that have been put in place to try to protect us from ourselves. Uh, can you imagine before 1963 telling my parents' generation, your grandparents' generation, that you have to wear a mask? I'm pretty sure most of them would have just ignored all yeah. of the laws. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of us did, too. I mean, um, you know, I tried to be reasonable about the thing, you know, all through the court. You know, I knew from the get-go that two weeks was a lie. And I think a lot of us knew that two weeks was a lie from the get-go. Yeah. But, you know, in, just in terms of not wanting to stir up trouble, I wore a mask. And, of course, there were there were mandates here where we were at in Louisiana with where you went and you, you got to wear a mask if you want to go in, period. And uh, But now that, you know, I've been vaccinated, uh, I don't see the point to wearing a mask. And I'm, I'm a little bit infuriated that there's no exception for that. There's not a, okay, well, hey, I would love to be able to show you my vaccination card as I get on an airplane so I don't have to wear a mask. I think that would be great. I think that would make sense. And there are people that are against that because they, they see that as a form, you know, they, they want these, uh, what do they call them, uh, vaccination passports. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand where they're coming from, having issues with it, because that is very much kind of an enslaving thing. But at the same time, if it gives you the freedom to not wear a mask, well, maybe that's maybe it's okay. I don't know. Well, you know, the big picture is we've lost our faith, so we don't believe in eternal life, so you have to make the most of temporal life. And there's this denial of death in my, in my culture, my generation, the idea that you know, we're just in a denial. We think that there's there's a pill or there's procedure that can um, suspend the reality of death. My, you know, my my mother's dad lost their first two babies. Um, the second one died as a three year old to Spanish flu. You know, back in and so they they grew up with large families. They grew up with um, with death. When uh, there was a death in the family, the family were the ones who dug the grave. Uh, there was a reality, and then there was the necessity of, of getting up and moving on. And what made that possible was their faith. You know, they believed in eternal life. So all we have is, is, is what we have here, my generation has said. So it's all about, you know, uh, securities, you know, something that can prolong our life. We do unnecessary procedures at the end of life where there's zero quality of someone's life, but we still try to add quantity of days to that person's life on life support and whatnot. So it's, um, you know, we've lost our freedom. Uh, we're, we're seeing that with COVID. Uh, you know, so we, faith, we, family, we, freedom. Faith, that's family, freedom. That's right. Okay. And uh, So let me, let me add a fourth F and for you to talk about, and that's finances. Uh, I know you weren't here in the 60s, but as a financial historian looking back, What's changed in regards to so well, and I yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't here, but I, I do see the result of it in terms of from from a financial standpoint. Having worked with the the greatest generation, silent generation, the baby boomer generation, um, I would say the big difference is the the greatest generation. They didn't spend money for anything, man. I mean, they just they absolutely saved and they saved and they saved, and then when they got to retirement, they enjoyed nicer things in life. Usually, not all of them. I mean, it, you know, there's there's still some individuality there, but they had saved their whole life, and they got to retirement, and then they decided, okay, you know what, it's it's okay for me to buy a luxury car now 
I've got the money I'm paying cash for it. I'm not financing it. I don't know anybody, anything. I've got money in every bank in town. They went and bought some things. That was what the greatest generation did. And I think the silent generation pretty much followed along with that baby boomer generation, total opposite. It is, it is, it has been, um, pretty evident that we want the nice things now. So we're not going to save as much money. So we don't have as much money in retirement and we're going to retire later so that we can enjoy the nice things now. And I don't know that this came out of the baby boomer generation, but there is kind of a theory, you know, that floats around a lot of people's heads that, well, I'm not promised tomorrow, so I'm going to live it up today. So I'm going to enjoy these nice things today and I'm going to, I'm willing to finance them. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Now I'm still going to save money for retirement, but I'm okay retiring 10 years later so that I can drive a luxury car today. And so that's what, that's the difference that I've seen in the greatest generation to the baby boomer generation. And uh, now, honestly, I mean, it's a little strange and it's a little different, but there's, there's been some reversion back to that with, with very young people in, in the generation Z um, or maybe even some on the millennials that are actually becoming savers and investors. Um, and, and they're, they're, uh, minimalist is what they call it. You know, it's not a, they're, they're, they're calling it a, a being a minimalist, um, where they're living off of less, you know, they're, they're buying tiny houses, they're doing all of these things so that they don't have to have as much money. Um, and, and so there is some reversion back to that greatest generation's habits of saving and living on less and not consuming as much. Um, but it, it sure seems like the baby boomer generation and the X generation, we just spend everything, right? You know, and you know, there's a, a saying that if you marry the spirit of your age, then you become a widow in the next age. And I think that we see some sad examples now of my generation of how we've squandered our opportunities, and and uh, we're some pretty pitiful old people, and we can't believe that we're old. You know, we thought we were teenagers forever. You know, we're going to live forever. Um, well, in your defense, I would, I would have to argue, I mean, maybe that's the case, maybe compared to the greatest generation. But, uh, if you look at the millennials now, I mean, I've even seen comedians talk about this, right. You know, so they're going to be the generation of the terrible grandmas because, Oh, look, granddaughter, here's a picture of your grandmother and her breakfast. And then here's 12 more pictures of her that are exactly the same, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. there's this, this overabundance of, of that, that maybe it started with the, the baby boomer generation as far as a, a whole, but that, that focus on me. And we, you know, that's why we have the selfie generation now that, that the focus has really become me, 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 me. And, and so, um, it I may have started, but it's, I think it, it started with us. And, um, well, I think it's, know, I think it's human nature. Yeah. It's our sinful yeah. human mm-hmm. nature. Right. And so I think my personal opinion is you can't blame a generation for it. It's, it's in all of us. It is a complete diversion from faith. You know, it, it is, it is that separation from our faith. And, um, that's where we get the, we think from that's where we get all of, all of that. That's my opinion. But, you know, I don't think you can blame your, your baby boomer generation. Sorry, but, um, (laughs) it's not your fault. I mean, this goes back to Adam. You know, yeah, oh, sure. you, you know, yeah. and, and so, um, maybe we see it on a mass scale, maybe it's just a result of the fact there were so many of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that it just kind of got yeah. amplified mm-hmm. and, and who got most of the attention were those that were 
very self-centered and, and we're enjoying the drugs and alcohol and, and the sex and everything that, that went along with all of those revolutions at that time. And, you know, for every movement, there is a counter movement for every culture, there's counterculture. And so, you know, the ultimate counterculture in America today is, is Christianity, you know, biblical Christianity. So, you know, we can choose to zig when the culture's zagging, you know, we can, you know, in bizarro world where everything's upside down, we can write things by returning to, to biblical roots. So in some ways, my, you in know, some we, ways it makes it easier to identify what's right. You, you know, where, when we had a Christian culture, which I would say that the greatest generation grew up with a Christian culture. So it, it you know, take the relationship with Christ out of their mindset, but there was such a Christian culture that there were some things that were maybe gray areas as the next generation came onto the scene that made it harder to distinguish. Now it's pretty obvious what exactly what you're talking about. I mean, almost the we as Christians to to live a life that glorifies Christ and, and to do the right thing is almost an exact opposite of whatever culture is saying that we need to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, so, in some ways, I can see where it is maybe a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, well, good deal. That's, well, thank uh, you it's, for it's sharing. A, yeah, food for thought. No, thank man. you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, uh, um, hey, anytime somebody wants to beat up their own own generation, I'm okay <laughs> with listening, you know. Um, it, it's yeah. interesting thoughts. I do think that um, I, just kind of personal philosophy, I do think with every progressive generation, we get further and further away, mm-hmm. you know, as we, we get further and further away from the fall. Um, and, and that just tells us that we're more and more in need of a savior. Amen. I, you know, Amen. we've always needed him. Uh, we always will need him. And, uh, gosh, it's our, our, we're, we're watching our world disintegrate yeah. from a lack of faith and a, and a lack of morality that, that should be there because we have a holy God that we can know and serve. And, um, it's, it's just a sad thing to, to watch for all of us that, that this happening. Yeah. And uh, so I hope, I hope this helps you. I hope, hope that you enjoyed mm-hmm. our conversation here. Um, we've got uh, a lot more conversations coming up in the future. Uh, we're actually changing location, so we may be away for a few weeks uh, as we t- try to figure things out. Um, but um, we're on Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Radio Public, uh, Amazon. And then, of course, you can always access us from our websites, gammatown.org or my personal website, garrettrands.com. And uh, you're, you're welcome to, to go there. There are links there that you can email us if you have questions for topics that you would like for us to cover. We'd uh, appreciate that just to, to give us some, some food for thought. And uh, we hope that God blesses you as you listen and as you drive or you're trying to go to sleep. By now, you're probably already asleep, but that's okay. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.